Welcome to the Berkhamsted Spotlight, Berkhamsted School's podcast channel. Join our weekly guests from inside the classroom to behind the scenes of our day-to-day -day activities through to life beyond Berkhamsted School. Find out what it's really like to be part of our remarkable community. Remarkable community indeed. This is the Berkhamsted Spotlight and today we're stepping into Berkhamsted Girls as we speak to the head teacher, Emma Watson. Now, Emma's career before working in education was very, very different and I think you're going to love what she was doing. Today though, she's in an all-girls environment so she's going to tell us what that means. We talk about risk too, we find out what's happening over the next few months in school and we find out more about Emma herself. It's a great episode and I think you're going to love it. So come with me now as we speak to the head teacher at Berkhamsted Girls. It's Emma Watson. Emma, thank you for joining us and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. It's always good to have people here on the podcast and great to understand a little bit more about Berkhamsted Girls. But I'm just wondering, for the sake of people who maybe don't know much about school life and don't really know what a typical day looks like, tell us about a few of the things that are happening today as we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, thank you. Well, there is really no such thing as a typical school day. But if I talk you through a little bit about what has been going on today um, on a Friday at school, um, we started at 8.30 with assembly this morning. So that's that is a whole school assembly where every girl joins us and it usually has a mood of celebration and lots of the girls presenting to each other about all of the various things going on. Um, it's also a busy time in our admissions calendar. So we've also been touring some families around the school. And today it was year 11's touring a few visiting families. And on top of that, we've also been interviewing our new potential year seven students. So the heads of house and various teachers around the school have been uh, busy performing those interviews and then this afternoon we've also got a Founders Day service so at 20 past three uh, the year 11 girls are heading into Berkhamsted Town and the rest of the school are heading into the Centenary Theatre to celebrate Founders Day. Fantastic. So there is a lot going on. And like you say, no day is a typical day. So it's great that there is all of this variety that happens in everyday school life at Berkhamsted Girls. And again, lastly, just for the sake of anybody listening, tell us again what the age range is of girls at the school. Yeah, so we take girls in at 11 into year seven and then they stay with us all the way through to year 11 and then they move on to Berkhamsted sixth for year 12 and 13. So tell me a bit more then about this model because you've got a different collection of, of schools within the Berkhamsted group. How does Berkhamsted Girls fit into that whole group? Yeah, so Berkhamsted group of schools, it's a family of schools with six schools all together, um, but the children, they are educated in a co-educational environment in the pre-prep and prep school. Uh, then when they get to year six into year seven, they either go to Berkhamsted Girls or Berkhamsted Boys. And that's where they um, stay in, in a single sex environment for years uh, seven through to 11. And then they move on to the sixth form, which again is co-ed. So we use that diamond model and we believe it offers the best of both worlds where students get to experience both a co-educational environment but also that single sex setting where we can offer nuanced pastoral care uh, to girls between the ages of 11 and 16. I see and you refer to that as a diamond model because that represents the shape of 
being co-ed in the younger years and then and then single sex and then back to co-ed again. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. So looking back at your own education, Emma, did you go to a co-ed school or did you go to just a girls' school? No, I grew up in County Down in Northern Ireland. And at the time, most schools were single sex. So uh, unlike the Berkhamstead model, I spent 14 years in all girls' convent schools. Gosh, okay, right. So I was picking up a bit of a, an Irish accent there. And yeah, so where exactly is that in Northern Ireland? So I come from a town called Downpatrick, which is about 22 miles southeast of Belfast. No one's ever heard of it. The band Ash are from Downpatrick and St. Patrick is reputedly buried there, but that's its only claim to fame. <laughs> okay, right. Well, that's a fair enough claim to fame. That, that's not bad at all. So tell us a bit then about how you got into working in education. Well, I studied engineering at university. I always opted for the less practical subjects. So I spent most of my university time studying maths um, and then left the, uh, left the university and joined the army as a helicopter pilot. And it was really just doors kept opening and I kept walking through them. It wasn't anything that was designed to, to go in that way. Um, and then as a, I was an aerospace engineer, but then also a helicopter pilot. And I did my time in the army. Um, I stayed for a few years longer than I intended, just really to try and make a decision on what I wanted to do next. But I think teaching was always something that had played in the back of my mind. So I uh, applied for a few maths teaching jobs and, uh, and landed one at a, a boarding school in North Bucks and uh, started my teaching career at Stowe. Okay, tell us a bit more about being a helicopter pilot because we, we, we can't let that one go. That sounds way, way too fun. It does sound more interesting than it probably is on a day-to-day basis. You know, that the, the highs are very high, but the lows can be quite quite boring at times. Um, but yes, it was, it was pretty interesting. I managed to see the world, an operational tour in Afghanistan and in Iraq. Um, I think I, I enjoyed my operational tour of Iraq. Uh, by the time um, I was deployed to Afghanistan, I was losing my sort of passion for flying and passion for staying in the military as well. So given the demographic, I guess you could say, of of where you were working, I'm presuming that you were fairly much in the minority being a woman in that situation. Tell us a bit about how you found that to be when you were there, but also I'm then dying to know how that's helping you in your role in working as, as the head teacher at Berkhamstead Girls? Yeah, I think absolutely we were in the minority, but I always find that no matter where I where I worked or where I was operating, there was always another woman. You know, I was never the only one. And the positive of that is you form a really strong kind of bond with the women that you do work with. Um, and even to this day in a in sort of wider connections with military women and ex-serving officers, we still have what we call a, a Santa sisterhood where we work with and for each other. And that's something that I really try and emphasise to the girls. You know, we do talk about a single sex education, but actually I don't really necessarily enjoy that term. I prefer to think about it as an all girls education where we're working with and for each other and trying to build each other up rather than focus on the negatives of, you know, being female. It's more about building up on the positives and celebrating the sort of diversity that comes with women in different environments. And of course, not wanting to put the army down in any way at all. But did you ever experience any situations of of sexism in that situation? I think there was probably some low level sexism where 
I think it was a different time. I left the army in 2009. If I were to live through that situation again, there would definitely be more comments that I would call out, for example, that I would definitely challenge the situation a little bit more if I was there in the here and now. But obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing. I think some of my former colleagues who, who still work within the army, I think they still do have those challenges from time to time. But I think it's a very different environment now. Um, to, to what it was back then. I think I probably tolerated a lot more than I should have done. But at the same time, I thought there were also some really great people who were really promoting women in the military and women in those more those roles that were more assigned to men within the, the army. So I wasn't just a woman in the army. I was also a woman in a very male-dominated area of the army. But, you know, I always had my champions just as much as I always had my critics. And then you say that you, if to use your words, you landed your first job in education, which I thought was fantastic, having come from an, a, a flying background. Um, but having done that, how do you, how do you find well, right now working in a girls' school, given that you were working in a, in a male-dominated environment? What sort of lessons do you think you learned from that that you're able to teach to the girls at school there? Yeah, I, th I think that's a really good question, and I do sometimes think about that myself. I think, you know, I I can see the way different different environments can be dominated in different ways and you know i'm very aware that not only are we preparing our girls for the next step which is a co-educational environment in the sixth form but we're also preparing them for the world of work and i think when i grew up in an all-girls school and it was an all-girls grammar school it was quite competitive but i think there was there was no sense that we couldn't do something that we wanted to do and i think that was something that being in that all girls environment enabled us to believe that, you know, we could go and do anything. And a lot of my friends from school, you know, went on to have really great careers and continue to have really great careers in male dominated environments. And I think that's something that as a teenager, when you're free from those repeated stereotypes um, at that age, which is really fundamental between 11 and 16, you know, that they're just here to be themselves and their strengths are the strengths and they don't have, they don't have that same sense of bias um, like I didn't at school and they don't seem to have it here that they can just go on and be anything and do anything and it's just really important to have, to have that sense of opportunity um, but also to, to see role models and to hear from role models who, who've gone before them. So tell me a bit more then about that all girls environment and in particular, some of the positives that girls can experience. And I'm thinking that that maybe, I mean, I, you know, I don't want this to become like a salesy advert at all, but, you know, maybe I, maybe if I'm a parent and, and I've got a daughter and I'm wondering whether I should send them to, to a co-ed school or to Berkhamsted Girls, what are some of the positives, taking the, the Berkhamsted Girls out of the equation for a second, just the, the one of the benefits of an all-girls education? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And I think parents really have to decide what's the best for their children and, you know, different schools are right for different students and I wouldn't claim that we are going to be the best place for every single child that's out there. Um, but I think the, the great thing about all girls schools are the fact that the pastoral care is very much tailored to girls growing up and what girls go through as teenagers. We we know that the, the science is there to back the difference in, um, in girls and boys maturity as they go through the, the gap from 11 to 16. Our pastoral leaders are specifically trained to deal with teenage girls and the issues that, that teenage girls face and the challenges. So there's that sort of nuance and that individuality to pastoral care um, for girls. 
And it's trying to help them again to, champ to be each other's champion so that we create young women who are out to pull up the young women coming behind them. And I think that's a really important approach. The other thing about having the diamond model, which is really helpful, is that our teachers also teach boys. So the teachers across both campuses are teaching both boys and girls. So they don't have a lens of just girls. They get to see the differences. They, they get to pick the sort of best approaches from each side of educating boys and girls. You know, not we, we generalise when we talk about how boys and girls learn, but they're on the spectrum. There are some girls who learn more like a typical boy and vice versa. And having staff who have the skills to teach both genders and, and to jump between them and to use all of the skills across the spectrum so that, you know, if there are girls and boys that learn in slightly different ways to, to, to the, the sort of centre of the spectrum, then we've got the teaching staff who are used to doing that and are very agile in that way. That's awesome to hear. I hadn't quite appreciated, actually, how, how the teachers do span across uh, all, all, all different parts of the family of schools. OK, let's take it back then into everyday school life. Uh, tell us a few of the things that are going to be happening later on during this term. I mean, we're recording this on the 21st of October. What, what else can we expect to see happening, say, after half term, for example? Well, we obviously got that really exciting run up to Christmas and this sort of mood within Christmas at school um, is always, you know, it's one of the best parts of the year. I think when we come back straight away after, Chris, uh, after half term, rather, we've got um, our school leader selection. So it's our prefect selection process starts for our year 10 students to be the house captains and house prefects. And that's a really, really important part of the school calendar where the year 10 students get to put themselves forward. You know, they take that risk, they put themselves out there, they make an application and then they go through quite a rigorous selection process. Um, and, and the idea is they want to serve their house. It's a real service leadership. They want to give a little bit back. They want to be that prefect that the other girls come to for support. But also they've got a real sense of improving the school and we try to get the girls to look outwards as well as inwards so yes they want to help individual students and give advice and to foster that sense of family and support but they also want to work with us as the as the senior leaders within the school to make big changes and to bring ideas and initiatives forward um, and that that's really important that we are getting their voice there's very little that happens without without the student voice. So that will take us a few weeks after after half term. We've also got lots of fun things. We've got uh, the Interhouse Netball competition, um, which is always hotly contended. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Maybe get to play a little bit myself. Awesome. Do you enjoy playing sport like that then? Yeah, I do. I, I, I really value sport. I'm not particularly good at anything. Um, but, you know, I'm not particularly good at running, but I still persevere with that. I'm not particularly good at netball, but I still play on my own little netball team in my village at home. So, so yes, I, but I think that sort of idea that sport and exercise are for life and it's developing that healthy relationship with exercise without needing to be elite um, and that there's a, a place in sport for all of us. Now, one of the things you mentioned there was about the girls taking a risk when it comes to, you know, the, the, the prefect roles. Uh, one of the things I was listening to recently was a report about how girls of, or, or children of this age tend to be more risk averse than the generation before them. What are your views on risk and the risk that or the levels of risk that girls take at Berkhamsted Girls School? Yeah, so we're 
we're really aware of some of the tendencies for teenage girls, especially to tend towards perfectionism. So, you know, for us, we say perfectionism is sort of the enemy of progress. We don't want our students to aim for perfect. You know, we want them to aim for progress and that's what we're looking for so if progress means trying something and getting it wrong then that's great it's better to have tried and not succeeded than not to have tried at all so really anything where we see elements of perfectionism because it can be damaging in so many ways and um, that's really important and one of our students Emily last week gave a, an address at assembly where she talked about perfectionism on social media and the idea of people projecting their own perfect lives and how the fear of missing out is actually quite problematic in terms of girls' mental health. Well, all of our mental health, but we were talking about uh, teenage girls in that particular setting. So we talked about FOMO. We talked about how we all have elements of being afraid to miss out on these perfect parties and perfect images. Um, and then we, we emphasised, or she emphasised, that actually we need to try a little bit of JOMO and the joy of missing out. And that's something we try and reiterate with the girls, that you know what you're seeing and what you see on social media and these perfect images you see, like they're just not real and, and they're unrealistic and it's not healthy and it's not good for them. And it was followed up very quickly by our director of digital learning who, who then came onto the stage to follow up this conversation to talk about the manipulative aspect of influencers and that sense of perfectionism and just to encourage girls to be real, which then also tied in with a theme within chapel this term, which is be real and be your authentic itself and sometimes that has flaws and sometimes that's not perfect and tying that in again with taking risk fantastic it's amazing to hear you talking about social media like that and even mentioning be real uh, which uh, which is which is always an interesting one well i hadn't heard of it until until our chaplain mentioned it in chapel and then obviously it was a professional research had to take a little look got to take a look and tell me a little bit about what a, what a head teacher like yourself generally gets up to at weekends i mean what sort of things do you do to relax to switch off from school life for, for a little bit yeah well i've got children of my own who are six and eight so they they keep us pretty busy at weekends so between coming to watch the girls playing lacrosse or netball or going to the um exhibitioners concert so there's always a few exciting school things going on but other than that i'm, I'm chasing my own children around um, doing a little bit of exercise and really just trying to keep on on top of all the boring jobs that have we have to do to keep us just ticking over during the week yeah children aged six and eight they're, they're definitely going to keep you occupied and take up a lot of your time absolutely when they get to teenagers i'll know what to do with them but they're still a bit young uh, emma one of the things we always ask people on these podcast recordings is to ask what's one thing you've changed your mind about over the last couple of years oh it's a good question i think one of the things i've changed probably my approach to rather than change my mind on is the sort of pupil development and staff development in terms of those one-to-one -one conversations. Um, as a school, we've moved towards a coaching model. So I've been really lucky to have been trained in coaching. Um, and the model we use here is the grading model, which is heart, head, step. 
I'm an engineer by training. You know, my initial response is always to try and find a solution, but actually having had coaching training and just having that license to almost step back, look at it from a heart perspective first, to coach students through their decisions, helping them see that they have the decisions or they have the they have the capabilities and the ability to solve most of their own problems. They want to talk to adults, certainly, and that's fine and that has its place. But quite often they have their own solutions as well. So it's it's really working with them to come up with their own solutions and just how empowering that is. Um, and I think when we first went on that coaching journey as a school, we thought it would just be a nudge in the right direction. But actually, it's been a huge leap in the right direction. Tell us a bit more about that heart, head and step, just so I can understand that properly. Yeah. So when we're talking to students, when they they come to us with a problem or we've picked up on something that's not going quite to plan in terms of where they want to be, um, our questioning system will start with the heart. So it starts with everything that is wrapped around their motivation, what they might be feeling and certain emotions or certain triggers for emotions. Sometimes they can't even identify that themselves, but they certainly can describe a mood or a tone. Uh, And then once we've explored that fully, then we go on to head and that's slightly more thinking, slightly more logical conclusions, thinking about alternatives or thinking about different perspectives. And then once, only once we've explored the heart and the head, then we move on to the step and the actions. So it's really about not rushing into anything making sure we get to the bottom and we're not just scratching the surface and coming up with something superficial to put in place for them oh, i love that that's very impressive yeah not 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 taking the action too quickly and emma the last question that we always always ask people is what has been your remarkable moment at berkhamstead oh that's a good one i think probably for me one of the most remarkable moments this term has been having we had a speaker come in to talk to our parent body about uh, girls friendships and what on the surface looked like a very simple straightforward message was actually so impactful that parents and teachers who all came to watch it wasn't necessarily just for the parent body we had a large number of teachers that came as well to take away a message about girls friendships and about the agency that we need to give back to girls and how actually over the course of their teenage years, sometimes parents and teachers, and I think we're all guilty of this, try to fix too much when sometimes the message is, we just need to let it be. We need to practice a little bit of acceptance and we need to be there to listen more than to tell or more than to intervene. Um, and, And the sort of big takeaway is, she's not telling you because she needs you to do something. She's telling you because she just needs to tell you. And I think that was re- we were sort of blown away by the simplicity of it, but it was really, really important to hear. I love that. That sounds like a great remarkable moment. And it's always difficult when I ask people that because there are so many often, there are so many remarkable moments, but but that's that for sure sounds like a great one. It really does. Emma, we need to bring this to a close now, but I wanted to say thank you for being here. It's been really good talking to you, especially hearing about your background, but, but great to understand more about life at Berkhamsted Girls. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. So that was Emma Watson, head teacher at Berkhamsted Girls, talking all about life there and life outside of school too. Emma, thank you for your time to record this. It's great to hear all about you and your amazing career before education. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.